Well, 1015, how we doing today? How we doing this morning? Good stuff. Hey, I'm going to kick it off really quick. I'm going to talk about some, uh, some announcements we have going on. I like doing this up front. Twofold. One, it keeps you informed. And two, it keeps me on track. So, so here's the first thing that we need to talk about. We need to talk about our multipliers celebration coming up December the 11th between 5 p.m. and 7 p.m. Let me give you the skinny on it. Here's the deal. We're going to be in here. We're going to have tables set up. We're going to cater it. We're going to have a comedian. Man, we're going to have a good time. Who is it for? It's for anyone who serves in the church. If you're part of the worship team, the media team, the setup team, the teardown team, uh, if you're part of kids ministry, if you're a part of a group, whatever area you're a part of, hospitality, VIP, I don't care what part, what, what part you serve in, make sure you're here that day. We want to honor you, we want to celebrate you, and we just want to party. And in doing so, we have two people we need to call to the stage right now. So I'm going to ask Mike and Kayla to come to the Where's Mike? Oh he's, oh, he's back there. Come on, Mike. They told you. Did they tell you you had to be in here? Y'all give it up for Mike and Kayla. Y'all make it up to the stage this morning. Oh, yeah, you can. Come on, I'll help you. You can, you can step up here. Y'all give it up for these two. So we, we like to honor people. We like to celebrate people uh, because he, here's what we know. We cannot do church without people serving. I don't know if you knew this or not, but these chairs don't just magically get set up. I don't know if you knew this or not, but the kids don't just magically get taken care of in the back. And this stage doesn't magically kind of appear like this. It takes people serving. So this morning, we want to honor Mike. We want to honor Kayla. Let me ask you this question, Kayla. How long have you been coming to the church? Two, two and a half years. And, and that, correct me if I'm wrong, but you found the church through a Facebook group, right? There was some conversation going on a couple years back about a, a church that you could come to. So you're like, I guess we're going to check it out. And you came when we were in the movie theater. Mike, you guys transitioned with us over here. Mike, where, where do you serve right now as well? And then Kayla, where do you serve? In nursery. So again, this thing doesn't just happen because we send your kids off somewhere. There's actually people watching your kids. So give it up for those, those people watching your kids. So we want to honor, honor and celebrate Mike. We want to honor and celebrate Kayla. So do your very best to make some noise and to celebrate these two. Ready? One, two, three. Make some noise. We want to give you guys a gift and say thank you guys for serving. Thank you for serving. Mike's also not a bad shot. Again, make some noise for them so they can awkwardly get off the stage. Mike, what was the name, what was the name of the, the group you're going to create? The Multiply Militia? Is that, can I say that out loud? The Multiply, <laughs> Multiply Militia. We like shooting guns. I don't know if I can say Stop the recording. I mean, we like shooting targets. Uh, whatever. Keep going. Stay on your notes, Zach. Uh, hey, next thing we got coming up is baptisms, November the 13th. If you want to get baptized, you know someone else that wants to get baptized, man, make sure you scan this QR code. Make sure you sign up for it. You can go ahead and pull your phones out now to scan that QR code if you would like. We, we believe in baptisms. What is a baptism? Baptism is your outward profession of your inward faith. It's your outward profession of who Jesus is in your personal life. I also have to celebrate something that we did this past week. We were a part of the Davidson Candy Walk. Um, I know Brittany mentioned a little bit of that at the beginning of service, but can you believe, where's Corey? Go, go ahead and stand up for me. Corey, where, is Ava in here too? Or she's, no, she's serving this morning. Listen, Ava and Corey were the stars of the show. 
Ava, Ava and Corey were up front handing out, handing out candy. You guys, give it up for Corey. Give it up for Ava. Make some noise. You guys can go ahead and sit down. But we gave out over 1,000 bags of candy and over 1,000 come sit with me cards. Why do we do that? Man, we believe that those cards will make an impact in somebody's life. We believe that individuals will come and check out the church and ultimately learn about the love and the grace and the forgiveness of who Jesus is by passing out some cards at a candy walk. The last thing that we have coming up is our miracle offering. At the end of every year in November, we take our miracle offering the second or the third Sunday of November. There's going to be more to come on that, but we just wanted to kind of put that in your lap. Our goal is to be debt-free going into 2023. I promise that's not a dad joke, like debt-free 2023. That, that's kind of our, our goal, um, and we'll be talking more about that in the, in the next uh, few weeks. So we've been in our Revelation series. We've been in our last day series. This is week number nine. And if you've been with us uh, for any amount of time or you're new, we want you to understand a, a few things. You, you should know, especially if you've been here for nine weeks, you should know by now that you're called to not be afraid of the book of Revelation. Regardless of what's in it, regardless of how much you understand or how much you don't understand, you're not supposed to be afraid of the book of Revelation. We also understand through Revelation 1.1 that the entire book is a progressive revealing or unveiling of who Jesus is. And the third component is this, always keep the main thing the main thing. And the main thing is always what? There you go, you pass the test. I don't care if you're reading in the New Testament or the Old Testament. Uh, the main thing is always Jesus, regardless of the book. And we've talked about a few different churches. We've talked about Ephesus. We've talked about Smyrna. We've talked about Pergamum. We've talked about Thyatira. We've talked about Sardis. And today we're going to talk about the church at Philadelphia. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Revelation chapter 3. We're going to pick up in verse 7. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Philadelphia. By the way, side note, not in my notes, are there any Phillies fans in the room? Good Lord, we'll pray for your souls. Uh, but what's going on in Philly right now? How are the Eagles 6-0? Are, are you an Eagles fan? No, you're not. Are you a Phillies fan, though? No. But you're from Philly? Nope, just don't like the Astros. You don't? <laughs> hey, I'm with you. I'm a Braves fan. So I, I just don't like the Astros, so everybody can be a Phillies fan. But I don't, I don't understand how the Phillies are in the World Series right now, and they've already split. Uh, one, they're one and one with the Astros. I definitely don't understand how the Eagles are sick. Are there any Eagles fans in the room for real? Where? You? Really? Really? Good Lord. Are y'all new? I'm sorry. Please come back if I make fun of you. I, I, I like to call people out. It's like I saw them walking in with their kids this morning. Is this y'all's first Sunday? Oh, good Lord. I'm calling people out right and left. Hey, give it up for you guys. I'll make sure I pick on you some more throughout the service. <laughs> no, but, but what's going on? So let, let, me get back to, let me get back to Scripture. This is the message from the one who is holy and true. The one who has the key of David. Now, let me stop there because that's going to be our main focus this morning. The one who has the key of David. What he opens, no one can close. And what he closes, no one can open. Verse 8. I know all the things you do, and I have opened a door for you that no one can close. You have little strength, yet you obeyed my word and did not deny me. Anybody ever feel like they're there? You got little strength. You got little strength in your day, day to day. God says, man, I, I see you. Why? Because you have not denied me. Let me drop down to verse 10. Because you have obeyed my command to persevere, I will protect you from the great time of testing that will come upon the whole world to test those who belong to this world. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one can take your crown away. All who are victorious will become pillars of the temple of my God, and they will never have to leave it. And I will write on them a name of my God 
and they will be citizens of a city of my God, the new Jerusalem. That's going to be key at the end of the service. The new Jerusalem that comes down from heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. So today we got some work cut out for us. Because I can read through that scripture and it can be a little ambiguous. I can read through that scripture and, and if you're like me, you can go, okay, well, what, what's going on? What are, what are the keys of David? I, I got some head nods already. Like, what, what, what are the keys of David? What, what's going on in this scripture? So our main focus, again, today is going to be on that key of David. So we have to backtrack and ask a few questions. What is the key of David? And what is it even open? If we go back and look in Isaiah chapter 22, we get this message about Jerusalem. We get the state that Jerusalem's in. And so, so again, we got to back up one more step. What is Jerusalem? On a very practical level, Jerusalem is a city in Israel, but we have to understand Jerusalem to understand the fullness of what this text is trying to teach us. So let's go all the way to the beginning of the Bible. We're going to connect some dots today. Genesis chapter 1, 27 and 28. What do we have a picture of? We have a picture of the Garden of Eden. And in the Garden of Eden, God creates humanity so that he can dwell with them, so he can spend time with them. So essentially, it's this picture of this open heaven with God's presence. It's literally heaven on earth, and God is with humanity. And what is one of the first things that God says to to people in general? He says this, he says, be fruitful and multiply. That you're going to have dominion over the earth. So this picture of Eden, no, Jake, not where you grew up. Literally, the Eden in the Bible. I had to give you a shout out. The Eden in the Bible. So, so let's take a look at this. If you're taking notes, write this down. In Eden, number one, it's a garden of God's presence. And number two, it's a garden where life works and people thrive. It was perfection. It's what God intended for you and I, for, for people to walk in his presence. God's original plan was to expand Eden across the entire earth, not just in the garden. The original intent was for the presence of God to dwell with humanity. The original intent was for the presence of God to invade every single area of our lives. Remember back to the series that we did with the seven gates and I had the big pinwheel up here? Can I get some head nods like you're with me? Please don't make me come down and embarrass you because I will. All right, give me some head nods. You remember remember the pinwheel, all right? (laughs) Those of you who are like, you you don't remember the pinwheel, you're like, yes, I remember. Do not embarrass me. But invade every area of your life to invade the government. The original intent was for there to be a theocracy where God ruled and, he, and his laws governed his people. Where the economy was thriving, growing, and where there was an abundance, where health and wellness, there was no sickness, there was no disease. And other areas like education, family, entertainment, and media, everything was designed to always point towards God. And God gave humanity dominion over the earth. I'm going to teach you how to be a good disciple. Start asking questions. What does dominion mean? What what does it mean to have dominion? It means that they had the keys to the city and they lived in an open heaven. Humanity, you and I, not you and I, but, but Adam and Eve had the keys, had the keys to the garden of Eden. But if we keep reading, reading in Genesis chapter three, we see the fall of humanity. And this is what scripture says. I think it's really unique. Scripture says that Satan talks to the woman. Well, Zach, wasn't he talking to Eve? No, at that point he was talking to the woman. Why? Because Eve didn't get her name until verse 20. Eve didn't get her name until after the fall. Eve was, Eve was not named by Adam until she took a bite of the fruit. So what I have dove into, what I noticed is this. Adam had a name. Adam, Adam knew his full identity. 
But Eve didn't know her full identity, and the enemy will always go after the ones who don't know their full identity in Jesus. Eve didn't intrinsically know who she was. So let's pick up Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. Here's my mini sermon. Here's my mini soapbox. We want to give women a bad rap. We want to say it's women's fault because they listen to the enemy, right? Like, like anybody ever heard it? Well, it's Eve's fault. But, but back up just a, a, a little bit. Where was Adam? Right beside her. Can you, can you imagine the scene for a second? You've got, you've got the enemy, you've got the devil, and he walks, scripture says that he comes up to Eve and they're talking. And it's not like Adam was like in the garden somewhere ambiguous and, and watching like over all the animals. No, he was standing there eavesdropping. He was right beside her. So close that Eve, I imagine that Eve kind of leaned over and go, hey, you want a bite of this? Like, like that's, that's the scene that we have. So let's continue to paint this picture. Adam was there, he was present, but he was passive. And that's why we have to stand for what we believe in. This is why you and I can't be passive Christians. This is why we can't be passive in following Jesus, because being passive will always lead to participation. Adam was just passive, and then he ended up participating. Let let that land where it may. So humanity falls, and then God starts this process of redemption. So as you're reading through the Old Testament, God has this plan, and the Israelites start to build tabernacles, and and they start to build temples. Why? Because they had to restore where the presence of God would reside. See, in the Garden of Eden, the presence of God was walking with humanity. But as you walk through the Old Testament... The Israelites, humanity had to create a space for the presence of God. And what we see is that was in tabernacles and that was in the temple. So the Israelites cross the Jordan River and they they get into the promised land. And and then Jerusalem starts to be built. And and when Jerusalem is built, there's gates and there's walls that would affect every area of society. It kind of sounds like the pinwheel, right? The presence of God was supposed to invade every area of society. So you have Eden that moved into Jerusalem. What was Jerusalem? It was a city of God's presence. It's where they built the temple where the presence of God would literally reside. A city where life works and people would thrive. It was part of the restoration process. It was the beginning of the restoration process. But, but there's, one, there's one problem. The devil still had the keys. What do you mean the devil, the devil had the keys? Well, let's, again, continue to connect the dots. Remember in Matthew chapter 4, what's going on? Jesus is being tempted. Matthew chapter 4 is the 40 days in the wilderness, and Jesus is being tempted by Satan himself. Pick up in verse 8, and the, enemy, or the scripture says this. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give to you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. The reason that the devil could even offer this to Jesus is because it was his to offer. He had dominion over the earth because he took the keys when Adam and Eve forfeited them until Jesus was crucified on the cross. What happens when Jesus gets crucified on the cross? Scripture says that he went to hell and he got the keys back. Revelation chapter 1 verse 8, And the living one, and I was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys to death and to Hades. Jesus himself went and took the keys back. So let me give you a recap as you're following along. God gave humanity the keys in the Garden of Eden, right? 
Humanity forfeited the keys. And God started the restoration process through the Israelites and into Jerusalem. The enemy or the devil still held the keys until God sent his son, Jesus, to get back the keys. Everybody tracking with me so far? Give me some head nods. All right, now let's go to Revelation chapter 21 and 22. Revelation chapter 21, starting in verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared. And the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne of God saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. Again, heaven coming to earth. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eye. And there will be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, and no more pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. It's the end of this restoration process. Revelation chapter 22, picking up in verse 1, Then the angel showed me a river with the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. It flowed down the center of the main street. On each side, the river grew a tree of life. Kind of sounds familiar, right? Go back to the beginning of the entire book of the Bible. Bearing 12 crops of fruit with a fresh crop each month. The leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. No longer will there be a curse upon anything, for the throne of God and the Lamb will be there. What's this picture of what we see? Again, it's heaven coming to earth. It's the origination of the Garden of Eden. It's, 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 it's the beginning and the end coming together. What, what do we see? It's more of the same. We see this new Jerusalem. We see a new garden city of God's presence, a garden city where life works and people thrive. For, for generation after generation, God has started this restoration process. I, I wonder if we actually see what God is doing through humanity. And it's, it's a beautiful promise. I love reading Revelation chapter 21. I love reading Revelation chapter 22. It's a beautiful promise. It's a beautiful picture of what's to come. But here's the reality. We're not there yet. We're living in this gap. It's the gap from when Jesus was crucified on the cross. He was buried. He rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven. And what did he say when he ascended into heaven? He said, hey, guess what? I'm coming back. I'm coming back. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm coming back. And then we get this beautiful picture of what it's going to look like when he returns. But we're living in this gap. What, what does he tell us to do when we're living in the gap? Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority. But I, I, have, I have all authority. I, I've already taken the keys back. I have all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, Go and make disciples of all na nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am always with you, even until the end of the age. Even until Revelation 21, I'm with you. Hey, even until we get to Revelation 22, I'm, I'm with you. Even when we're in the middle, when, you're in, when we're in the gap, hey, I'm, I'm with you. But this is what I want you to do, Jesus said. I want you to make disciples. What I'm learning, what I'm discovering, the more I dive into Scripture is that what we do matters, especially if we want to see heaven on earth. 
Because we, we want to say things like, hey, God, can you take care of and fill in the blank? And oftentimes I think God's response is, yes, I want to take care of it, but I'm going to take care of it through you acting, through you doing, through you being proactive, not just being passive. What, what is God trying to do in and through you? Hey, God, could you, could you take care of, of, of my neighbor? I know they're going through a hard time, and, and I know, man, I know that uh, it's hard for them to, to put food on the table right now. Hey, what would it look like for you to go to the grocery store and buy them some food and just send it to them? Now, why can't we just be practical with this stuff? We, we try to act like following Jesus is really ambiguous and hard. He says, no, keep your eyes open. Look for a need. Matthew chapter 25 says, hey, find a need and meet it. Matthew chapter 28 says, lead them to Jesus. That's what we're called to do. I've said it this way before. We will not be a church that just does Matthew 25 or just does Matthew 28. Matthew chapter 25 says to take care of the widow and the orphan, to take care of those who are broken, to take care of those who are hurting. Listen, if we just take care of people and say we, we feed people to, to fill their bellies but don't tell them about Jesus, I've said it this way before, all we're doing is sending people to hell on a full stomach. God forbid we're the church that just tries to tell people about Jesus and not meet the need. It's Matthew chapter 25 and Matthew chapter 28. What we do matters. This is what I'm learning. We saw what happened in the Garden of Eden when Adam was passive. Remember, Adam's kind of just standing there. Adam's eavesdropping a little bit. Hey, what, what's going on with, with Eve? Eve Eve's, hey, you want a bite of this? Yeah, I'll take a bite. He was passive. What, what, what did I say? Passive, passiveness leads to what? It leads to participation. We can either be passive or we can be proactive. In fact, I think the enemy's okay with us being passive. He likes when we're passive. Because the longer we're passive, the more we'll just kind of let go, and the more we let go is the, the more that we'll start to participate in. I don't know if you're seeing that in culture and society right now. What, what are you being passive about where God's calling you to be proactive? And, and then Jesus teaches us how to do it. He says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why did he teach us to pray that way? Why? Connect the dots. Revelation 21 and 22 says he's coming back. He's counting on us to pray it in. He's counting on us to be active. He's counting on us to do things. Why? What's what I just said? What does he want to do in and through you to usher in the presence of God in someone else's life? It's not just about the presence of God filling someone. It's about us being active in our faith. It's about us talking about Jesus. It's about us celebrating things. You know what drives me insane is this. When Christians, they, wanna, they want people to pray for, hey, can you pray for this need? Can you pray for that need? Can you? Yeah, man, I'll, I'll pray for you. You pray, and then whatever you prayed for like, comes to happen, and, and, and like, nobody celebrates it. It drives me nuts when we want to put out all these prayer needs, but we don't want to follow back up with it and go, hey, guess what God did in my life? I think more people would follow Jesus if they knew what Jesus was up to in people's lives. I mean, if God does something miraculous in your life, then tell people about it. Why? Because that story might lead them to Jesus. Don't just be passive. We have to be proactive. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Our goal is to usher in and bring heaven to earth. I, I don't know if you're like me, but, but sometimes it's like, yeah, that's cool, but but I don't know how to do it. And I think what the Lord wants to tell us this morning is that's fine, do it scared. 
Th- that's fine. Just, just do it. Do it anyway. You ever been in one of those situations where you had to do something scared or do it anyway? I was there this past Thursday. So let me give you, let me give you the rundown. So about a week and a half ago, we were at our men's Bible study. And uh, we, we got through the Bible study. And at the end of the Bible study, we typically go to breakfast. There was a group of us sitting at the table. And one of my buddies, Corey's, was sitting beside me. Another buddy of mine, Ryan, was sitting across the table. They were talking about this race that was going to happen a, a week from that day, which was this past Thursday. And Corey, Corey makes the comment. He goes, yeah, he goes, I got this race, but I still need a tire changer and I still need a jack man. And I'm like, what do you need? What do you mean you need one? I can do it. Side note, the only tire I've ever changed is the one on my car. All right? It's like an official race. I'm like, yeah, I'll do it. Open my mouth. Too soon. Go figure. It's me, right? So I open my mouth. Corey kind of looks at me and goes, ah. I think you can do it. He looks across the table at Ryan, and Ryan goes, oh, I think he can do it. I'm like, cool, you just train me, you, you let me practice, I'll be good to go. He goes, yeah, yeah, we'll practice before we get there. We'll practice before the race. All right, cool. A couple days goes by, no practice. I'm trying to Google everything that I can. I'm trying to research everything, I, no practice. The day before the race, Corey texts me, he goes, hey, you ready for tomorrow? I go, yeah, man, ready to practice. <laughs> he goes, oh, we'll take care of that when we get there. So we drive up to Martinsville. We're at, we're at the Martinsville Speedway five hours before the race. I'm thinking, man, I got plenty of time. I'm going to hang some tires. I'm going to be good to go. I'm going to be a pro by the end of this thing, right? I see the tires. They're working on the car. Don't touch them. I'm just kind of watching them. Four hours before the race, still haven't touched the tire. Three hours before the race, I think I rolled one of the tires to stack it where it needed to go, but I'd still not picked up the tire to try to put it on the car. Two hours before the race, Nothing. About an hour and a half before the race, we're starting to put on these fire suits. I'm like, hey, boys, by the way, still don't know what I'm doing. Zero idea here. Corey, I'll, I'll share this with you. Corey, Corey looked at me on the way up. He goes, hey, he goes, I know it's uh, probably not in your job description, but if, uh, if anyone asks you if you've ever changed tires before, lie to them. <laughs> I said, all I got to do is say, hey, this is my first modified race. <laughs> it's not a lie. It was my first modified race. So my buddy Ryan, he comes in the hall or we're putting all our, all our clothes. I'm like, Ryan, man, I need, like, I need some help. I need, some, I need something. Like, j- just give me something. He goes, all right, I'm going to give you a run-through. And this is about the way the run-through went. And this speed and this capacity. He grabbed my phone and he put it on the table. He goes, act like this is the car. Act like this is the wall. All right, I'm tracking. He said, Corey's going to pull in. He's going to stop. He's really good at that. He's not going to hit anybody. Jump over the wall. Run around to the back right tire. As soon as the tire changer hits all but one lug nut, uh, when he hits that last lug nut, I want you to move his hose. When you move his hose, I want you to run to the front right tire. When he runs to the front right tire, we're going to bring the jack man around. We're going to jack the car. He's going to take that tire off and set it right beside him. As soon as he takes that tire off, you're going to take your new tire, throw it on. He's going to start hitting it with lug nuts. When he hits it with the first lug nut, I want you to move his hose, grab the other tire, and run back around the wall. Huh? Roger that. What do you mean? I have no idea what I'm doing. So we get into the race, and we get a couple cautions up front, and they start. To, I have this little earpiece in. I can't say anything, but I can listen to everything. So I'm listening to all the strategy, and they're like, "All right, well, if we get, if we get um, about 60 caution laps, then we might not have to pit." Praise Jesus, Lord. I pray that we get 72 caution laps so there's no, I can say I was on the team, but I didn't have to do anything. That'd be great. Here's here's where the intensity started to build in me even more. Corey went, he qualified fifth, which is great out of about 30 people. 
Then he ended up in first really quick. So I'm thinking, good Lord, we're going to come into pit and I'm going to ruin this thing and we're going we're gonna to lose the race because I messed up, right? So 50 laps go by, 70 laps go by, 100 laps go by. I mean, we're halfway home. The Lord heard my prayer. We're good to go. 120 laps go by, 130 laps go by. About lap 135, there's a massive wreck. And all I hear in the earpiece is, we're coming in. That's the only, that's the only thing that was said. We're coming in. Okay, well, is game plan still good? Like, am I still doing what I'm supposed to do? Like, I have no idea still what I'm doing. I literally picked the tire up twice before I went over the wall. So I'm holding the tire. I'm literally, I'm literally holding the hose. Like, I don't want to do this right now because I have no idea what's about to happen. And it's almost like my brain shut off and I just went into survival mode and just started doing it. Long story short, decent pit stop, did my job, and Corey ended up winning the race. That's awesome, right? That's cool. I got the picture with like a grandfather clock, like I did something special. I didn't. But I had to do it scared. Literally, as I'm standing on the wall, I'm thinking, I ha- in my head, I have no idea what I'm about to do. No idea. Anybody ever been there in life? I mean, I've got, I have zero idea what I'm about to do. I have zero idea what I'm about to step into. And I think God just wants to tap you on the shoulder this morning and go, hey, that's okay. Do it scared. Hey, that's okay because I've already told you I'll never leave you or forsake you. Hey, it's okay because I've already told you I'm coming back. You already know the end of the story. Hey, it's okay. I know you're in the middle and that's even okay because I've already told you what to do in the middle. Just make disciples. Tell people about me. Tell people about me. That's all you got to do. Regardless of your job title, regardless of how big or small your family is, regardless of what season you're going through in life, hey, just, just tell people about me. And I think people just, I think God just wants to tap, tap some people on the shoulder. You say, Zach, I, I have no idea what I'm doing. I think God says, hey, that's okay, just do it scared. Just, just do it anyway. Because the reality is we have one of two options. The first option we've already seen in Genesis The first option is this, we can be passive. The first option is we can act like Adam. The first option is is that the more passive we become, the more we'll participate in that God God never intended for us to participate in. Or we can be proactive. We can start to move. We can start to tell people about Jesus. But this is what I felt compelled about today. The reason that individuals don't move, the reason that individuals don't act is because we feel like what we do doesn't really matter. Keith, can you go ahead and grab the, the microphone for me? We'll grab a couple of chairs. We'll go have some fun. What time is it? I got plenty of time. Can I grab one more chair? Can I grab one of these chairs? Is that okay? Either one. I'll take this one. You got a lot of bags. There we go. Here's my rule when I walk around and call people out. If I walk by you and you act like I'm not there, I'm calling on you. So I'm going to call a couple of people out. I'm going to give you a microphone. You might be new. I might not know you. That's okay. Just play along. Can you play along? James, you shook your head. Go, go ahead and come up here, James. <laughs> you looked at me. I'm going to give you the mic. I know. You look back. Hey, James, I'm Zach. James, tell everybody who you are. I'm James. James, where are <laughs> you? got like a radio voice or something. James, where are you from? Tampa, Florida. Tampa, uh, Florida. I got, I got 
go to Davidson College. Go to Davidson College. What year are you? Uh, junior. Junior. Do you have your entire life figured out? Maybe. <laughs> no, maybe. It's like trick question. How do I answer? J- James, what are you going to school for? Uh, pre-med. Pre-med. What's the goal? Become a doctor. Become a doctor. Why do you want to become a doctor? To help people. To help, to help people. Pain. To help people. What type of doctor? No idea yet. Thinking through it, what would be like the top two? Emergency medicine seems pretty interesting. And Emergency medicine. Primary care. Primary care. That's cool. That's cool. So you got this goal of where you want to go. You're in college now. All right. What are you involved in at the campus? What do we do every Tuesday? Uh, shout out to the college group that we have going yep. Tuesday morning. Tuesday morning, 6.15, 7.15. 7.15. Yeah, I got to give y'all an extra hour. Thursday, 6.15, y'all need the extra hour to wake we need, up. We need to move it up. We need to yeah, 7.15. James, can I tell you that what you're doing, I, what you want to do, yeah, that's going to matter. But what you're doing here and now matters. Can I tell you what, what's cool to me is um, seeing you come to church last semester, continue to come this semester, and... Um, I see the way that you interact with your brother and how much you love him and how much you care for him and how much you include him in everything that you do. Can I, can I let you know that what you do absolutely matters? That what you do has an impact on his life? That what you do has an impact on your life? And, and the way that you're stewarding this season now is going to have an impact regardless of what type of medicine. That sounds cool. This is what matters now. And what you do matters. Man, can y'all give it up? Can y'all give it up for James? Don't cry. Don't cry. Goodness gracious. Who else? Who else can I call on? Hey, Matt Carroll. Come on up. Come on. Let's have some fun. Y'all give it up for Matt. Take the, take the microphone. Matt, tell everybody who you are. Uh, Matt Carroll. Matt. Uh, how long have you been at Multiply? Uh, 12 years. 12 years. And yeah. then you helped us do what? Uh, transition out of Concord up to the movie theater. And then transition where? This one. Yeah. Right here, the uh, Matt, what do you do? What do you do for work? I'm an initiatives manager for Food Line. Yep. So within the central division, I run different projects. All over the place. Anywhere from Tennessee to Rockingham. Yeah. Uh, anywhere from Tennessee to my, to uh, Rockingham. There you go. So you're you're all over the place. Always going. How how many roughly? All right, ballpark it. Roughly, how many people do you think you ever see? Uh, Two hundred eighty-seven stores I impact. It's wild. So I don't know. It's B- what, big impact. Twenty-five thousand people. Big impact. Yeah. Huge impact. Tell us a little bit about your family. <laughs> They're amazing. Yeah. Um, I always get worked up, and you know I do. I know. Talking about my family. Uh, have an amazing 22-year-old daughter. What's her name? Mackenzie. Yeah. She's been here. Some of you guys know her. Yeah. My wonderful wife, Dawn Marie, and my incredible in-laws, How John l- and Rose, sitting three rows back right over there. Yeah. How long have you been married? 24 years today. Why? Today? I didn't even know that. No idea. Literally, no idea. Happy anniversary. 24 years. Where's, where's Don and Rose? Or Matt, or where's Don? Where's Don? Don's right there. There's Rose. 
There's John. I see all three of them, okay? I just want to, so as I talk to him, I'm talking to you guys too, okay? Because I want to talk about Mackenzie. You, you oversee a bunch of people. You have an impact, in a, and that's cool. Like you, I know you impact their lives. But what you do at home truly matters. And I know you know that. But what's beautiful to me is, is the legacy that started with you two. That started with John and Rose. What's beautiful to me is the impact and the care that you had on Dawn. And now that's been passed down to Mackenzie. And what I know is, go ahead. So what's incredible is the whole family serves. Yeah. Right, not just here, church in Florida. Yeah. Not in California. The grandkids. Isn't that wild? It's everybody's in church as a family. And where'd that, where'd that start? Wayne Lowe's. Yeah. They're like my parents. Yeah. They are. Because what? Wow. That's what they do. Because what y'all do matters. Regardless of the season of life you're in, you're, you're seasoned. You've seen a lot in life. But your impact still matters, and it's impacting Matt, and it's impacting Don Marie, and it's impacting Mackenzie. I know because I'm close to you guys that, that this year hasn't been easy for her. The last year and a half has not been easy for her. But because of the support system that she has with you, your impact matters. Y'all give it up for Matt before we both lose it up here. Good Lord. Love you, dude. Come on, Malia. Come on. Malia's my sister-in-law. So this doesn't seem very fair that I'm sitting here. <laughs> Malia, when did we meet? A long time ago. Almost 15 years ago. Yeah. Malia, what do you do for work? Um, I do a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, tell, share what um, you can. How, I'm a yeah. mental health therapist yep. um, and neurofeedback. So another treatment modality to helping with mental health. So let me give you the layman's terms, all right? She hooks all these things up to your brain and fixes your brain. She's really smart, all right? That's like the layman's terms. Like neurofeedback, what does that mean? She just hooks like things up to your brain. Malia, how long have you guys lived here? A hot minute. Hot minute. Um, since June. Since June. I've been here since May, You've but June. Here. June. How many kids you got? Two. Two. What are their names? Kalia and Kyler. Yeah. I know you deal with a lot of cool stuff. You, you know, you, you have therapy, you have uh, neurofeedback, a lot, lot of people you impact. Um, I thought about this after the first service. I know, I know that the transition hasn't been easy. Because you guys, you, you and Keith are such good parents that you focused on, you focus on Kalia, you focus on Kyler. How do you get them involved? How do you get them engaged? How do you plug them into a church and a school? Any parents in the room you ever been there? He's like, I got to take care of my kids. I got to get my kids plugged in. I got to make sure my kids are okay. And then what happens? Oftentimes we feel like we just get the leftovers of anything that we have left to take care of ourselves. But Malia, what I've noticed about you and Keith over, over the past four or five months since you guys have been here is that the grace and the patience that you've had with your kids and, and more than any of that, the trust that you guys have had uh, in God. Because what I know, what I know is you didn't, you didn't leave, I'm talking to both of you now, you didn't leave a bad situation. You were very comfortable. You had, li life was very planned out. 
Life was very scheduled. Life was very structured. And for some reason, you felt it inside of you to move down here. But can I, can I let you know, regardless of how many people are in the room, Leah, what you do matters. What you do with your family matters. Yeah, sure, what you do at work matters. But the way that your kids are following Jesus, the way that they love Jesus, has everything to do with how you and Keith lead your household. Can y'all give it up for, for Malia? I'm going to walk around a little bit. Hey, I'm Zach. What's your name? Mark. Hey, Mark, what you do matters. It does. I don't know you. I don't know your story. I don't know what you're walking through. But w- what you do matters. And here, here's the deal. I'm not doing this for some antics or for some show. I, I think the problem is, again, we want to we tell everybody about the negative stuff. This is what's going on in my life. And we forget to pause and just look at people in the eye and go, hey, hey, what you do matters. Hey, hey, you matter to God. Hey, Ricky. Ricky, you matter. You truly do. You make the gym light up every time you come in, into the gym. I know you're doing the very best you can with the cards that you've been dealt. Ricky, you matter. You truly do. And I can go, hey, we, met, we haven't met yet. I'm Zach. Kurt. Kurt. Hey, Kurt, you matter. Thank you. You truly do. Where's my Philly people? Philly people. You matter. Philly's not so much. You guys, you matter. Man, can we, can we get outside of this, this whole notion that, that we can't stop and pause and just have a conversation with someone and go, hey, hey, Brad, you matter. Lisa, you matter. Can, can we just, can we open up our hearts and open up our minds just a bit to, to be able to hear the prompting of God to tell someone that they matter? Why? Because God has given us back the keys. Let me tie all this in. What you do matters. Why? Because it ushers in the heaven. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Where? On earth as it is in heaven. It can't be on earth until we activate our faith. Until we step in and say, hey, Jesus wants you to know that you matter. Jesus wants you to know that your life matters. Regardless of the season that you're going through, you absolutely matter. So this is what we're going to do all across the room. If you guys could stand. We're going to step into worship. We're going to sing for just a few minutes. And can we proclaim what we're singing? And can we just believe that God is who he says he is and that we matter to him? Hey, thanks for joining us today at Multiply Church. We can't wait to see you again next week, either in person or online, as we continue to love Jesus and change the world.